Welcome, everyone. My name is Todd Fetterman. I'm David Axrod. And we both teach economics at the Feliciano School of Business at Montclair State University. Our topic today is what's on everyone's mind, inflation. You pull into the gas station, prices are up. You go to the supermarket, prices are up. So what exactly is inflation? Where does it come from? Let's see if we can get to the bottom of this today. Uh, so let's start with a definition of inflation. Inflation is defined as a rise in the general price level overall of all goods and services. We're not talking about a specific good. It gets calculated by a government agency called the Bureau of Labor Statistics in Washington. And how do they do it? They track a basket of goods. It used to be 300 goods, I believe it's now 175. They track them all over the country. Things that people buy, they actually survey consumers to see what they're buying. And so they track it and then they could they create an index that tells us how much prices are going up on a percentage basis. Dave, why is this important? Well, the, one of the primary reasons why it's important is that Social Security and uh, many uh, employee contracts uh, change their either the benefits or how much people get paid based on what's called a cost of living adjustment. And the cost of living adjustment is based on what the BLS calculates as the rate of inflation. Right, and so what happens is once a year, social security uh, payments are adjusted automatically by whatever the uh, BLS says the inflation rate was for the year, extremely important. You know, we don't have to tell people that, you know, their money is not buying as much as it used to, they understand that, but the Bureau of Labor Statistics puts a hard number on it. Um, historically, okay, we had very, very low volatility, excuse me, very low inflation uh, ever since the recession 2008 and 2009. The most recent numbers that came out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics in February showed a 7.9% increase year to year in the consumer price index. In addition to the overall consumer price index, we calculate something called the core inflation rate. This calculates the inflation rate without food and energy, which might sound dumb because we all buy food, we all buy gas. But the reason that we do that is because food and energy, the prices are extremely volatile. Let me give you an example. Blueberries, sometimes they're 99 cents a pint. Sometimes they're $1.99 a pint at the supermarket. That's got nothing to do with inflationary pressure. That's got to do with how many blueberries came off the truck. It has to do with the supply of blueberries. When there's less supply, supermarkets charge more. Okay, so we've had very low inflation ever since 2008. Over the last year, it has spiked up and we're now looking at about 8% for the last year. Uh, David, traditionally, there are two different explanations of how inflation gets started. Can you help us out with the first one? Absolutely. Well, the first one is referred to as a cost push inflation. Now, what does this mean? It, it, it arises from restrictions in supply of goods and services that are produced and provided in the economy. Uh, this might be an outgrowth of uh, the cost of production going up, okay? It could also be associated with just a lower quantity of production, okay? So for example, uh, you know, if, the amount of housing starts go down by half, that's gonna be a restriction in the supply of houses and we'd expect the price of houses to go up. So what about recently? Well, if you looked at cars, um, you know, there was a shortage of computer chips and that's, that's delayed the production of many cars. 
some of this might be COVID related. And what do we see? We see used cars going way up in price, right? Another example is the flooding from Hurricane Ida back in 2021, which ended up destroying about 200,000 cars. So that's a, another example of a restriction in supply. And so what's happened? Well, you car, used car prices are up about 40% in one year. Uh, one last example, gasoline. So we've been dealing with a, a bit of a shortage on gasoline. And in the last month or so, because of what's happening in Eastern Europe, it's, it's further compounded it. And that's why we saw a spike in gas, uh, gasoline prices, in particular oil beneath it, uh, almost doubling. So Todd, can you give us the explanation of the other issue in inflation? Okay, so we started, David just explained <clears throat> um, cost push, where there's a restriction in supply pushing up prices. In addition, the flip side of this coin is called demand pull. The classic definition of demand pull is when there's too much money chasing too few goods, when there's a lot of money in people's pockets. When the economy is strong and we've bounced back from COVID, unemployment rates very low, everybody has a job, people have money. And then in addition, during the pandemic, while some people lost their jobs, their income was replaced by government, um, uh, government assistance, basically uh, covering over whatever they were missing from their jobs. As a result, people basically had the same amount of money, if not more. In addition, because of COVID, people were no longer spending any money going to sporting events, live entertainment, going to movies, or wedding venues were shut down. So people basically had the same amount of money. If they lost their jobs, they were getting some kind of government supplement. And because they had less money, to, they were spending less money on things like live entertainment, they shifted their purchases to things like home exercise equipment, um, food at supermarkets, as opposed to food at restaurants. And as a result, there was a lot of demand for those kinds of goods pulling up prices. So to basically summarize, demand pull is when there's a lot of money around, people have money, they're working, they take the money, what do they do? They buy things, they compete for goods, pulling up the prices, that's demand pull. Okay, oh, in addition, over the entire time during COVID, and it basically since the 2008 recession, but certainly amplified in COVID, the Federal Reserve Bank, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is the central bank of the United States, they've kept interest rates as close to zero as possible. As a result, it's made it very easy for people to borrow money to do things like buy a car with borrowed money or to buy a house with borrowed money. Add all of these things up together and you have a lot of demand for goods pulling up prices. So David, we've talked about cost push and demand pull. And now we then take a more like a, a macro view, a global view of the marketplaces called aggregate demand and aggregate supply analysis. So can you give us an idea of what that means? Sure. So aggregate demand refers to the relationship uh, between overall price levels and uh, the total amount of uh, consumption and uh, business investment at those price levels. Uh, so generally speaking, as price level go up, uh, that demand tends to fall and vice versa. 
aggregate supply goes the other way. It has to deal with what uh, businesses are willing to produce and supply. And that tends to go up as prices go up because it becomes more profitable for businesses. So uh, if aggregate demand increases, that's an upward pressure on prices. If aggregate supply decreases, that's also an uh, upward pressure on prices. And the government comes into play because if it spends more, it tends to increase aggregate demand. So uh, government spending can have a big impact on what's happening to price levels. So Todd, does anybody benefit from inflation? Well, David, in economics, we have uh, terms that we, that we use called real versus nominal. Real takes account, inflation into account. Nominal means the prices at the current time. So if you get like a 10% pay raise, you got a nominal 10% raise. But if inflation was up 8%, and you got a nominal 10% pay raise, the number's a little more complicated than this, but you, basically you're 2% better off. You got a 10% raise, but prices were up 2%. So in terms of household consumption, if wages go up more than prices, the household's gonna be better off. People see gasoline prices in their face every time they go to fill up the car so they feel bad. They don't really recognize when they get a pay raise because it, you know, it comes on a slip of paper, it's an automatic deposit, so you don't really see it. Recently, Target, uh, the big retailer, announced that starting wages for some positions will be as high as $24 an hour. Uh, and in addition for you know, starting wages, people who are already there are also gonna see some pay raises. For most households, the largest expense is housing. If you own your home, uh, whether you own it outright or whether you have a mortgage, uh, you probably didn't see your expenses go up because you've got a mortgage at a fixed rate. You might've received a pay raise at work because wages are going up, but your number one expense didn't. Even if you're renting an apartment, if you have a two or three year lease, that's a fixed rate for two to three years. And again, because wages are rising with inflation, you might be better off uh, because your pay went up, but your number one expense didn't. So there are people who are better off. Obviously, who's worse off? People who didn't see a raise in pay, but are seeing higher prices for things that they buy, gasoline, food in the supermarket. So there we have a problem here. We've got inflation for the first time uh, in quite a while. It's been very low since 2008. Uh, where do we think we're headed? Who's in charge of this show? Is there anything we can do? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the question, right? Can we do anything? Well, there are two main players uh, with respect to having impacts on inflation. Okay, one is the federal government in terms of how much is spending, because that's part of that aggregate demand we talked about before. And the federal budget has been up at least 25%, maybe more uh, since COVID began. And so when that uh, keeps going up, that has more and more upward pressure. So if you wanted the, to decrease inflation, one way of doing it is for the federal government to spend less. David, um, let me interrupt for a second here. Yeah. Um, the, the federal budget has been up dramatically with stimulus payments and the like. How big is the federal budget relative to the entire economy? Well, the, uh, the federal budget makes up about 25% of, uh, 
of the uh, total economy. So it's not some small thing. Okay, so yeah, it's significant. Uh, go ahead. Okay, and um, so what we might expect is in the near future, if the federal government cuts back on economic stimulus, because we're out of COVID and, and such like that, that would tend to reduce aggregate demand and we might start seeing less pressure on prices, uh, but we're not there yet. Right. Now, Todd, would you like to say something about the Federal Reserve? Okay, so the bigger player, even I would, I, I think most economists would agree, uh, an even bigger player in terms of the entire economy than the federal government budget is the Federal Reserve Bank. The Federal Reserve Bank has an unusual power. Almost every single commodity, every good and service that you buy, marketplaces set supply and demand. But the Federal Reserve Bank has control over the supply of money. And what is the price of money? The price of money is interest rates. The Federal Reserve can supply more money to the marketplace. And when there's more supply, it puts downward pressure on price and interest rates. Or they can restrict the amount of money in the marketplace. They can reduce the supply, therefore putting upward pressure on prices and raising interest rates. Back in 1981, when inflation was running in low double digits between 10 and 15%, we were in trouble because people were losing purchasing power on their money. The money in their wallets was losing power every day. Money in the bank was losing power every day. They raised interest rates sharply. And how did they do this? By reducing the money supply. Interest rates shot up to as high as 18% for short-term loans. This had an extreme negative impact on consumer spending and business investment. By 1985, inflation was back under 5%. So the Federal Reserve has the ability to restrict the money supply, raise interest rates, and choke off consumer spending, choke off business investment, both of which are consumer spending be by far and away the biggest part of aggregate demand. And when you reduce aggregate demand like this, you're going to see a easing of um, inflation. So to help combat inflation, the Federal, the Federal Reserve Bank announced last week they're raising interest rates by 0.25%, a quarter of 1%. Now, what interest rate are they changing? It's called the Fed funds rate or the federal funds rate. This is the rate that banks charge each other when they lend each other overnight deposits. It is the core interest rate. It's the rate that a lot of other interest rates are based on. And it is the one that the Federal Reserve has the most uh, influence over by raising or lowering the money supply. Uh, they announced that they're going to increase the rate. And then what do they do? They take action in the marketplace to start drawing some money out of the marketplace. Um, and how do they take money out of, the, out of the economy? They sell bonds from their own portfolio, the, from the Federal Reserve Bank's portfolio. They sell the bonds to uh, major banks. And the banks then take the money that they had on, in their accounts and hand it to the Federal Reserve and they take the bonds and replacement that takes the money out of the banks. And as a result, we see interest rates in general starting to trend up once the Fed announced higher interest rates. Uh, David, there's one other item uh, I wanna talk about that might have a major impact on where we're going, which is supply chain. Yes. 
Yeah, supply chain is no small thing. So I mean, we talked about the federal government and the Federal Reserve because they're the big players in the United States. All right, they they make policies and such. But there is still the economy, the real economy, and the rest of the world that you know impacts our ability to to buy things. And so the supply chain refers to uh, the the chain of transaction and production from raw materials. Uh, you know, like iron ore or uh, crude oil or water and such, all the way up to finished products. Now, when the supply chain gets disrupted, which is what we saw with COVID because less people were able to go to work, or if there are conflicts like what's happening in Eastern Europe, or if there are natural disasters, uh, that supply chain gets disrupted. That means less can be produced and that means aggregate supply falls. And when aggregate supply falls, that's an upward pressure on prices. So uh, whatever the policies are going on with our federal government, with the Federal Reserve, if the supply chain starts uh, getting back in good shape, that's gonna moderate inflation all by itself. Uh, on the other hand, if that doesn't happen, we might continue to see higher uh, prices, even if uh, the policymakers are doing everything they can to try to lower prices. Right, and, and one of the things about the supply chain, the marketplace sort of has a way of taking care of itself. Uh, I heard somebody on the radio, on Bloomberg Radio the other day, uh, the, the fix for high prices is high prices. And what they meant by that is when, high, <laughs> when prices are high, Guess what? More suppliers want to supply products. So it yep. helps to ease up the supply chain. The, 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 the fix for high prices is high prices because it will, in fact, stir uh, more production. Okay, so wrapping up, we've now seen the worst inflation we've seen in a generation. Um, we've had very low inflation since 2008, 2009. We've had supply chain issues. We've had uh, pretty solid demand in addition both of which are put up with pressure on prices. The Federal Reserve has started to take action. They've started to raise interest rates. One of the things I have to be careful on, if they raise interest rates too much too quickly, we might end up into, in a recession. But that could be a topic for another podcast. Stay tuned. This is Todd Fetterman from the Feliciano School of Business. And David Axrod from there as well. And we'll see you in the next podcast, perhaps on recession in a bit. Take care. Bye-bye.